As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the Game Podcast, the 93rd minute winner of football podcasts. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and today I'm joined by Alison Rudd, Julian Lawrence, and broadcasting from somewhere near Clark Carlisle's house, it's Ollie Kay. Right, plenty of football going on, football daily, um, football coming out of our ears and noses, so let's start, uh, therefore, at Craven Cottage. Alison, I want to start with you because of your uh, proximity to, uh, <laughs> to, to Fulham, geographic proximity. Um... And we're going to get into Wenger being unhappy and all this stuff. But I looked at this, and I, I've seen Fulham in person twice in the last month. And they're actually, they're pretty good, aren't they? Oh, I thought they were um, spectacular <laughs> against Arsenal. Um, even even though the stats bore out that, that Arsenal were the better team in the first half in terms of shots produced, um, I thought I still thought in the first half Fulham were... were, were the close control, particularly of Dembele and uh, Brian Ruiz, is just—it's just very, very watchable. And then in the second half, um, you could have been watching—you could have been watching so, yeah, any top European side having a go. They were patient. It was—you know—people were drooling about Arsenal's first half performance. And I, I didn't—I didn't think it was that—that that particularly eye-catching. I thought—I thought the team—the team of the day was Fulham and. If they had not got those late goals, it would have been totally unfair. I was I was really impressed, and um, I think Martignol. I'm surprised in a way because there's always been this tradition at Fulham to to try and um, to be very neat, you know. And he's gone for that neatness with 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 flair. Um, it it was lovely. And if you were if you were just arriving in Britain looking for a team to support, you wouldn't have latched onto Arsenal. You'd have latched onto Fulham. Oh, is that is that a bit harsh? Um, I, well, I mean, talking about Fulham, they, I, I, I thought they were, I mean, uh, the second half performance in particular was excellent, as Alison said. Um, I mean, I, I, I think they, they've been really uh, fairly unimpressive for the first few months under Martin Yar. I thought they were dire against Manchester United a few weeks ago, but that, that was that was the sign of a, of a team that can be uh, competitive uh, in the second half of the season, and, and maybe it will take, to, you know, maybe it has taken time for Yol to get his. Um, message across to get players where he wants them, etc. And maybe it'll, you know, maybe we can expect them to be an inconsistent team. But to me, that that team has 
potentially more going for it um, than, than Roy Hodgson's team. I, I think there's a bit more flair now with Dembele and Ruiz. Um, if they can keep hold of their better experienced players, Zamora, Murphy, etc., I think I, I see no reason why they can't be a, a top half team again. Well, but uh, Ollie, uh, you tackle that. I want to get this from you. What, what, what strikes me about Fulham is that, you know, I know Danny Murphy sits in front of the back four, but he's old and he's a passer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why isn't there like a proper holding midfielder on this team? Is this like you all suddenly said, "Hey, I'll go and play all these guys, Dembélé and Ruiz and Dempsey, who are all skillful." Instead of and, and we're going to play football that way, instead of having you know the ritual destroyer in in midfield. Well, not not, not every team plays with with that type of player. They, they, they play with um, Murphy in front of the back four, and they play with. Sidwell generally sort of bombing on and box It was a bit different, obviously. You had Sidwell in there, so you mm-hmm. had the one hacker uh, mm-hmm. last night. But they've also... But, I mean, it, it, generally speaking, it's it's kind, of, it's kind of pleasant and positive, right? Yeah, but I, I don't think... There's no Sean Derry's in there. That's no, what I'm exactly. But, but there are a lot of teams playing similar way in the Premier League this season. I, 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 I would say that this season's Premier League has probably been notable for lack of uh, or relative absence or influence of um, of, of destructive type players and I think you know, Chelsea have generally played with that one Man United have played with that one Arsenal um, you could say Song is but he's not really a, a destroyer is he so it's, it's um, I don't know it's, it, it seems like that player is in fairly short supply at the moment Julian, I don't want to get into debate the song, but I, I would argue that though he's somebody who's in there primarily for his defensive capabilities who can also play and who's sort of been groomed that way, whereas you know, Murphy, perhaps slightly different player. But let, 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 talking some Arsenal, um, Wenger is very unhappy with, uh, with the referee, Lee Probert. Is it a case where he thought his team played great and the episodes went against him and so Arsene's angry? I think he was probably angry at, at the players. And, and obviously then you couldn't blame them publicly probably so you blame the ref I, I think the ref got the penalty wrong but then for, for Arsene to come out and say that the, the, the second yellow card from Juru was actually a foul on Juru by, by Zamora was, was a bit too much in my opinion but we, you know we know that Wenger is used to do, sometimes doing things like that after games you know he felt harshly done by but um, I, I don't know like Alison said I, I think Fulham deserved probably Definitely more than a defeat, probably more than a draw as well. And I think they've exposed the, the problems Arsenal have at the moment at the back, especially at 11 against 10, you know, and it's really difficult for Arsenal when you, you've got no full backs, when you've got young Coquelin playing a left back, then Skilachi coming on. I don't understand why Wenger didn't put Koscielny at right back and Skilachi in the centre. I think it could have made a hell of a difference in the game. Well, I- Obviously, the fullbacks is part of it. But one of the things which, which, which struck me is, is uh, and Ollie, I, or like you to weigh in on this, was Arsenal. It's rare to see Arsenal have less possession than the opposition. And, and obviously, the sending off had something to do with it. But I think those final numbers, Fulham had 55% of the ball. Yeah. Is there an evolution or, or a change in the way Arsenal are, or not evolution, it has positive connotations, but is there. <laughs> Is there, let's say, a, a shift in the way Arsenal are playing, or is this just happenstance? Well, Arteta has certainly meant that they've had a, a passing presence in the, in, in the middle of the park this season. But I think any team that loses um, Fabregas and Nasri and, and, and has for the, for the season so far been without Wilshire, I think they're going to be. They are going to sort of. Um, 
control games with possession less than than they did before. Uh, I think that's fairly inevitable. But I, I mean, you, you look at that that team yesterday; they didn't have players who were comfortable on the ball as fullbacks um, in terms of playing at fullback. Um, and they they don't really, you know, it's a different type of team. I, I think Arsenal have had to grind out results a little bit more this season, partly because of the absentees, partly because they've got a new look team, and partly because. Um, you know, of the players they've lost, but I think they've um, I think they've generally done well. But they're a team in transition, and like many of the other transit teams in transition at the top of the uh, at the top end of the table, they've uh, they've lost matches. There's an awful lot of floated balls from Ramsey over the top into the feet of fast players at Arsenal, which is I think the shift. Mm. There's, and if you do that, you're going to lose possession. You're going to lose. You're going to lose possession. Of, is it also Jovinho and Walcott, perhaps different types of players than? the wide players they've had before well it's all I mean that's Arsenal's asset isn't it is pace so you're going to exploit it by being a bit poncy in the middle you're not going to exploit it so much it's been reasonably effective it's, I think it's probably what dug them out of the hole they were in in September but so given that Wenger signed Gervinho was this his idea is this part of something does he now believe in more direct wingers rather than ball playing wingers yeah, I would think so, definitely. Uh, I think in his mind, it was a more uh, balanced football. I think when, when Diaby finally and Wilshire will come back, then you'll have a bit of both. You'll have the pace up front and you'll have the, the, the players who are probably more capable of of that bouncy pantsy in the middle. So uh, on, on the Diaby point, as I know, you, 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 you speak to him. Um, I... I really liked him when he was a footballer, but before when he was playing before. But what, what's the deal? I mean, how does somebody get injured and then just kind of disappear forever? And why is it that nobody, me. nobody? I, funny thing, he's not just one of those guys who's injured. But you never talk about him. Nobody ever speaks about him. He, he was a French international, right? Still We're reminded is, every week is. that Wilshire's out, <laughs> but there's never any mention of Diaby. Is it? Are you the only one who? Yeah, are, you, are, you, and, and we write are the two of us the only ones who rate him? Or <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, it's been a very frustrating season for him. I think because like last been, year. Yeah, yeah, but a bit less than last year, uh, but more than last year. Sorry, he, he had that great season where he, he went, you know, with no injuries at all, and then, you know, he had those setbacks. Basically, he had another injury. He had another surgery on his ankle in the summer in June. That's the fourth, and he's only twenty-five. You know, and when you were twenty-five and you had four, four, a surgery on your ankle, it's, it's really not good. He sold down to that tackle against Sunderland in, in two thousand five. Um, by that guy called Smith, who's never played football again, and and thank God for that because since that, um, that guy called Smith. There's lots of people called Smith. Yeah, sorry, he used to play for Sunderland at the time, and and who broke his ankle on a single tackle at Highbury at the time, and um, and since then, his 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 body never responded to the to the surgery and to to the fracture of the ankle, and since then he, and I think he will have always troubles with with his calf with his uh, hamstring and all things like that and it's a tough time for him you know I know some of the fans you know don't believe in him anymore and, and loads of people as well have given up on him probably but it's a tough time for him he's, he's, a, he's an amazing player when he's fit trust me it's just that uh, you know it's, it's, it's not 
there's there's something missing for him at the moment, fitness wise. And and unless he saw that with Arsenal, with the medical staff, you know, he will never be 100% again, and, and that's a real shame. So make make a prediction then for us. When when will he? When will we see him on a pitch again? I spoke to him on uh, New Year's Eve. Um, oh, they must be really close if you speak. On no, New Year's no. Eve. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. We don't call it New Year's Eve. We call it Fergie's birthday. Okay. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> on Fergie's 70th birthday, I spoke to Abu. He's he's still he's still not back on the pitch running. He's still with the with the physios and you know in the medical room. It's probably another two weeks, and then he'll have to you know do a bit of fitness again. I, I don't know, maybe three to four weeks before he comes back. Which is a shame because we're almost the end of the season. But I really feel for him, and not because he's my friend. It's it's really hard. Oh, that's so sweet. By the way, if I say funny, go on YouTube and you can find uh, Abu Dhabi and uh, Hatem Ben Arfa when they're like sort of 13 years old at Clairefontaine, getting into this huge argument, and and Dhabi kind of like locks Ben Arfa out on the balcony and and so on. And it's I don't. They're best friends, man. Yeah, I'm sure they are. But it's it's just it's it's very very funny, surreal. Um, Ollie, uh, Thierry Henry coming back. Are you on board with this? I am as a as a, as a short term option. I, th- I think it's um, I think it's I, I, I can't see a, a downside in it really. I mean, as long as Henry accepts that he's not the player that he was, that Arsenal is not going to be built around him like it once was, and that Van Persie is the main man, and that his job will be to um, to sort of appear here and there and. Um, try and lighten the load on Van Persie as, as long as he has the humility to um, accept that then I think he, he will um, I think he'll enjoy himself I think well, Arsenal he, will get some benefit out of it I mean as you know Ollie, he, he has the humility to play with Luke Rogers in MLS so I'm but 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 that that would suit him in a way because he's the main man in that right. team, and you know he, he loves everything. You know he loves being a superstar. He loved being a superstar, at, you know, first way, first time around at Arsenal, and he was brilliant at it. Now he's in a very sort of um, rare position for him, where he's he's almost going to be a water carrier for a, a guy like um, Van Persie, who's been one of the best players in the world this year or last year, and um, you know that is the. That is the only reason why it wouldn't work short term, is if if he can't adjust to it and if Arsenal can't adjust to having him around. I think I think if if it's a case of him playing, you know, starting three or four games, coming off the bench in five or six others and um, chipping in every now and then, I, you know, I I can't see a, I can't see a problem with that. Why shouldn't it work? Final, final point, just because we haven't picked on uh, Lee Probert, uh, so I'm going to leave this all to you, qualified referee here. Um, does Wenger have a point in having a go at Probert, or should he just shut up? Is it a little bit, as Julian said, like he can't criticise his own players, so he criticises the referee? I don't know. I was surprised. I mean, Wenger's spent many, many years criticising referees when his own players have been at fault. He, he does have a small point, Wenger, in that um, there could have been a penalty awarded to Jovino early on. But um, I'm, I wouldn't blame the referee because Jovino's action, having had had his run blocked was not it didn't didn't match the 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 foul if there was a foul it it seemed overdone so i think you could you can let most referees off for thinking that didn't look right i won't give it Mm. 
I just think in general the refereeing has been terrible over this last 10 days and I think people talk about the footballers needing a break and so on um, maybe it's these referees maybe they need more referees well, I, think referees. I, think, I think I've seen Lee, Howard Probert, Lee Probert's face more than anyone else's face in football over the past two weeks so he's been very busy yeah no I'm, and I'm not I'm not picking on Lee Probert I don't think he was terrible here I think there have been some really terrible referees and uh, he's not he's not one of them um, I think uh, moving on, speaking of referees who maybe weren't that good and uh, whose uh, mistakes uh, in good faith impacted the outcome of games, uh, Wolves and Chelsea, uh, I guess if you're Oli, if, if you're Village Boas, you've been, you've been unlucky, you might feel you've been unlucky, you might feel that you know, things have conspired against you. Is it fair to say that at Molyneux things conspired in Chelsea's favour? Um, yeah, it is because because I think most people would look at the, the, the Lampard challenge in the first half and say he should have been sent off and and would be sent off probably eight nine times out of ten despite being Frank Lampard and despite you know being a, a player who might get the benefit of the doubt in, in in those situations more often than not. But I mean for, for him to 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 be on still on for ninety minutes and to um, to score the goal, the, the winning goal, so late on is you know that must have been particularly um, gut wrenching for Mick McCarthy, who's obviously had his own complaints about referees in the in the um, in the past few days. But it's you know it it, it, it is swings around about it, it, these things do cliche cliche um, generally tend to level themselves out in some way. Mick McCarthy probably doesn't feel like that at the moment, but Chelsea have had as many good decisions in their favour as, as bad decisions I'm sure as, as the season has gone on and it does seem to um, yeah, it does seem to even out but it is I think I do think it's an interesting point that at, as soon as, as that game finished um, at Molyneux a lot of people were saying it's because it was Frank Lampard the referee you know he's a nice guy and he has a reputation for being a gentleman and one of the game's you know good guys and he he did regret you could see instantly regretted what he'd done and I think that's really fascinating does that affect the do you feel Ollie that referee was um, influenced by the fact it was you said it it doesn't matter whether it's Frank Lampard or not I think it probably did you know well I I think all sorts of things affect a referee's mindset in these situations you know that you know how many minutes are on the clock. Bizarrely, it seems to affect referees sometimes. The, the scale of the game sometimes. You know, if it's a showpiece, they don't want to send people off. As you the, wouldn't uh, want to spoil the game, would you, you Ollie? Well, exactly. But um, From I the mean, gospel, I, according I, to Howard Webb, I'm, I'm sure if that was. You know, you, you, we, we could name sort of four or five players in the Premier League who are sort of. Uh, Regarded by referees and, and public alike as as bad boys, and we talk about Joey Barton and Balotelli and that kind of person. If they did it, then I'm sure they would be sent off. If if Lampard and perhaps two or three others who are seen as squeaky clean did it, then you know it might be considered more accidental. Maybe that's just a human um, response from a referee. But I I, I, I mean, I, even Lampard himself said that he was very very lucky not to get sent off, and that's the kind of honest guy he is, yeah. which perhaps. Um, <laughs> Underlines the point. Exactly, Julian. Uh, there was there was this, the tall blonde um, forward uh, playing on his own up front uh, for uh, for Chelsea, and it was funny because when 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 I saw the lineup and then I watched the match of the day, they had it as like a four three three, but and I was only watching on television, and it's sometimes difficult how the formation is, but. 
it was very unclear sort of what they were playing. It certainly wasn't wasn't four three three. It looked to me like Torres was the guy furthest forward, but insisted on, on coming back all the time. Mata was lodged somewhere in behind him, um, and and then you kind of had sort of four midfielders, and but it seemed. Did, did it work? I mean, I, I thought Torres liked it, liked it, and was was a lot more comfortable. Yeah, do you remember we did a podcast early on in the season where Villas Boas played them in four two three one formation, and we we did say we said you know Mata looks good in a central position where he's a bit free, can do you know he can go wherever he wants, he can play behind the striker. At the time, it was Torres or Drogba, or, you know whoever, but that looks good. That looks much better than their four three three where some t- you know it's, they, they lack sometimes rhythm and creativity. And I think yesterday was good. I, th- I think it worked, and I don't know why it took him so long to Villas Boas to you know to drop that four three three. And tr- just try something else. And well, he, tried, he tried something else against Liverpool in the Carling Cup, and it, it backfired horribly. And that's why he went back. In what? The Carling Cup. What's that? Uh, the League Cup. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> right, but, um, but I think that's the, that's definitely the way forward for Chelsea. F- just forget about that four-three-three with your, you know, with your wing. You know, just yeah, the, just try something else. The problem is, Ollie. If if you do that, then you can't really put. There's no place for Daniel Sturridge on the pitch, unless yeah. you play Sturridge as your lone striker, which yeah, is maybe we should be doing. I, I was about to butt in and say that you know four-four-one-one will probably suit Torres and Mata more, but. I don't think Chelsea's midfield players are suited particularly to to four four two. You look at Morelos, Lampard, Ramirez, uh, Romeo. Even there's players who are sort of, uh, who are suited to certain roles in a four three three, and and that is why I think that has been the favoured formation this season. Uh, well, that along with the fact that it, it's uh, Villas Boas's favoured formation anyway and, and he's very sort of beholden to that to that um to that way of playing and, and has had great success with it but i i, I still think it, it may be um the challenge for torres and, and the challenge for matter for the rest of the season might well be to, to fit into that 4-3-3 i think we might you know it might have worked yesterday but it, let's be honest it, it, it wasn't the most tremendous performance was it so although it might have worked yesterday I think they'll still revert to 4-3-3 more often than not Alison, um, there was a point when I think they were they were still drawing in the game and Romelu Lukaku was on the bench because everybody was injured, you know, basically. Um, Anelka's off in China and Kalu's hurt and Sturridge is hurt and Drogba's suddenly hurt and, you know, a lot of boo-boos all of a sudden. And I'm like, oh, look, I was so excited. I'm like, here's Lukaku. We can finally see him on the pitch again. I, I, I feel like, you know, he's played a couple times, I think, in the Premier League this year. What's the, what, what, does he smell? Like, he's a 20 million pound forward. What did you do? Get evaluated every day in training? Like, oh, well, he's not ready. He's not ready. I mean, if you were, if you were Roman Abramovich, then obviously you'd be a man. But also, um, when you kind of, would, would you go and sort of knock on the, the door of uh, Ron Gurley or. Um as you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Or Village Boys and say, hey, um, what's the deal with this large man who's here? Um, why is he He's here? prime specimen is what I think you're trying to say, Kev. Yeah. Exactly. And he looks a real athlete. He really does. So, yeah, you would need to know what's going on. He's like a bigger, stronger, more intellectual version of Didier Drogba. Yeah, and... Uh, he's had some glimpses on the pitch which have looked very promising his debut was and then he's looked slightly lost but then you probably would if you'd joined in a sort of blaze of wow I could be the new Didier who is his hero and then you don't see a lot of action um, but I think it's a very good question to ask and I, 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 I don't know why it's fallen apart for him because I think he looked like he might be a real hit this season he might yet be but it's not doing his confidence any good is it Ollie we, we spent all this time about talking about Andy Carroll and what's wrong with Andy Carroll why didn't he play more whatever Lukaku is you know not quite as under the radar as uh, Julian's friend Abu Dhabi but, but, but pretty close to it yeah, I, I, I thought it was. I thought it was bizarre that, that they signed him and then didn't release uh, an Elka or, or Drogba or someone like that in the summer. Uh, obviously, an has gone now, and Drogba has, has gone off to um, to Africa, and well, will be going off to Africa for, to play in the um, Cup of Nations. And you'd expect Lukaku to get some uh, some game time, but I, I think it's terribly ill judged to take a guy who's playing regularly and developing at an incredibly quick rate at a club like Anderlecht and then just take him out of that environment put him in uh, effectively the reserves at Chelsea there's a problem that Premier League teams have in terms of how they develop players who are not quite ready for the first team or not quite ready for the first team squad because reserve team football is seen as a bit of a joke I mean Lukaku I I, I worry for a player like Lukaku because losing that momentum that he had, losing that experience that he had and losing the regular first team football that he had at Anderlecht, it, it, it can be really damaging for a player of that age I think he needs to be, you know, for them to have thought it was worth signing in this season rather than say next summer or January or whatever they need to be they need to be playing him at least you know, at least periodically or leave him, leave him at Anderlecht. I think that was a yeah. that was the thought anyway that he might. In the, it's Chelsea could say, yeah, he's ours, but we, we're not going to be able to this give him what enough they did time. With Alex when yeah. they signed him PSV, that kind of stuff so happens should, all the time. So he should maybe be there anyway. Well, since we're since we're at it and we're planning on Davila's boys, I, I knew what, what would happen after after that goal when sort of the uh, um, the, the Chelsea players or some Chelsea players formed a human daisy chain and hunted him down for that <laughs> for, for, for the big group hug um, and I knew that you know when John Terry sort of arrived late and veered away and Frank Lampard was nowhere to be seen I mean I assume people would immediately go and speculate um, 
you're laughing, Julian. You think it's funny. Is this fair? Oh, specu- uh, do you? Is it fair for people to look at this and say, "Oh, look, that must be that Lampard and Terry don't actually like Villas Boas, and you know the Daisy Chain is formed by all his little pets, David Luiz and Mariles and and, and Romeo and, and whatever." Yeah, Ramirez. Yeah, it, Terry was just so funny. So he went to the touchline, and you know was, you could see him running there. He didn't even like go near the other players or of Villas Boas. Just went there, had a little stop, and then went back to to his position. I think it was brilliant. I, I don't know if they don't like him or not. It's just f- from what I've heard, there's there's a bit of tension. Obviously, some some players are not happy at all by by the way he coaches, by the way he deals with the players, and, and loads of things like that. Uh, they didn't really appreciate the uh, you have to to come and celebrate with us sort of story that we had, you know, late, late back in December. But what's funny is that you have to look at the players who came towards him after that Ramirez goal and the one who didn't, obviously. And I think that probably talks a lot. Do, no, I think, do, do I you think have to do that, Alison? Do we have to, or are we just being mean and causing a muckraking by doing it? Absolutely not. I think I think that that moment encapsulates all the, all the problems that AVB has. He's 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 trying to develop a squad, and yet he inherited a really good squad. So it's not like he, he came into a, uh, a team that were rubbish and had loads of rubbish old players. So everyone's on his side and realises he's got to clear it out. He's dealing with big egos, players who've still got a lot to, to give, who do not appreciate a 34-year-old telling them what's right, what's wrong, when they've been doing it for so many years at, at the same club. And the fact that there was a split in who decided to go to him, it was mainly Portuguese-speaking, wasn't it? Which isn't a surprise. But it's, it's the players that he favours, uh, on the whole, the younger players... Uh, that, that to me encapsulates that 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 is that must be a dressing room that is not united. It's not a club that's united, and it's not a club that's wholly behind what he's trying to do. And how can you be behind if you're a player and someone comes in and it's clear they want to change the way you play and uh, re re energize, make it a more youthful team? You're not you're not going to be on board with that, are you? If you're 33 years old, you're not going to say, yeah, absolutely, I think the team should be packed full of 20 year olds. So it's 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 logical that there's going to be a rift, and it, you know that has made the cut for the most cringe-inducing moments of 2012 already. Right. Uh, this week was, uh, uh, and, and perhaps I, I, I need you to shed some actual news light on this because uh, on, on our debate, I want to talk about um, Wayne Rooney, and. Uh, uh, on Box, though, there's a, well, there's a report that came out that the reason that uh, uh, Rooney and uh, Darren Gibson uh, were dropped from the squad um, for the match against Blackburn on Sir Alex's uh, birthday, which obviously they lost, uh, had to do with uh, Rooney and Gibson and uh, Johnny Evans, uh, who I believe is injured anyway, and their wives going out the night of Boxing Day and then talking about it in training the next day and Sir Alex's spies finding out about it and him getting angry, and so he gets dropped for this game now there was a statement from united afterwards which said no that's not true he was dropped because he's hasn't trained well and isn't fit and he's getting basically being rested whatever um do we know what the truth is ollie like what is the official line here uh, have they admitted it now because they've, they've, they've gone and find him right yeah no i mean I, I i i think if you look at exactly what ferguson said um on Saturday afternoon after the match he said that Rooney hadn't trained well now people interpreted that as meaning he was injured um, I think um, Ferguson probably uh, you know, he catched it that way because it was for once slightly truthful and um, you know the, the issue was that he supposedly hadn't trained well having had this um, 
having had this night out on Boxing Day, um, that that is the implication. The implication right. from from various sources at United is, is that it, it was not a question of the night out. It was a question of um, not being in a great position to train um, the next morning. And uh, given that given that it was basically a, a thing where they were just doing a few laps of the pitch and a few stretches, um, it, it must have been quite a night, mustn't it? Exactly. Well, I, I want to say something because I, I think it's it's interesting the way the way Sir Alex handled it. Cynical me says, "Okay, um, I need to be seen. To, I need to crack the whip a bit here. I need to be seen to be punished. Should we play next? Oh, look." It's those chumps at Rovers. We're at home. It's my birthday. It's almost like playing a Steve Bruce team. Easy. We're going to get the three points, and that's done. And this is a perfect opportunity. You know, I, I could play could play my, play my son Darren. If I know the other son, the one who doesn't play football, I could play him up front, and we would still win this game. Um, and obviously, we know that didn't go according to plan. Uh, do you think that's what happened, and that maybe if had they been playing Barcelona in a Champions League semifinal next – you know, if we're all in agreement, then Rooney probably wouldn't have been dropped for this game. No chance. Definitely. Exactly. But here's my question, and and we were talking about with with uh, our, our producer Chris. So he gets fined a week's wages, and he gets dropped. And the result is ultimately it it hurts United's teammates, it hurts United fans, it hurts Rooney obviously in the wallet to some degree, although probably not that much. Um, it hurts United's shareholders and owners, of course, which. Because nobody really gives a toss about. But um, is there a better way that he would have punished him? I mean, if, if you were in charge, Austin, is, is there something you could have done? You mean would have play been... him to play him? Yeah. But let me put it this way. Let me throw this out to you, right? If instead of finding him a week's wages, um, which obviously isn't, doesn't really impact his lifestyle at all, and instead of dropping him, which hurts the team, what if he'd said, hey, Wayne, um, your next day off, you're going to go and you're going to do 10 hours of community service you're at, at some kind of, you know, you, you go to a charity, a soup kitchen, old people, whatever. And then at the end, after you do don't, that. Don't let him lose with old people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but no, but like actually do something useful, something in the community with kids and something. And then maybe after you do that, you can decide, you, you take your week's wages that I'm going to fine you. And instead of keeping it in-house and paying it out to the Glazers as more dividend, um, you donate it to a charity. But we actually do, we don't you know we actually edu- educate you not like those just club sponsored charity things where like sort of you know you do, which are important and worthwhile of course where they just kind of troop in and troop out. But let him go three different types of charities that might be of interest to him. Let him go spend yeah, some to give up his own this time. Is dangerous ground. Why? You can't turn doing charitable work into a punishment. Footballers are <laughs> always being told that footballers do it all the time anyway, and it's just never reported. And if you do dig a little bit, they are always turning up at hospitals and places and do their bit and you you're not allowed to make an individual do something out of the work environment that they don't want to do anyway and you can't you can't possibly couch it as a punishment that you're going into into a community center and helping out when they're short-staffed that that undermines the whole the whole idea of what 
charity and what people have lots of dosh and a, a, a privileged lifestyle do when they're trying to give back. I mean, that's you can't do that. And actually, to rewind, I disagree that if they'd been playing Barcelona, that he would have. Oh, he probably would have played Rooney, but I don't think he should. Isn't the point that he turned up for training and his training a training he was not up to it? If you then pick a player who everyone can see is not taking training seriously and isn't physically up for it then you down the line you're creating all sorts of problems and you're creating Rooney this monster who, who for whom the normal rules do not apply so I think he did exactly the right thing not to play him on the basis that he wasn't uh, performing well in training what I would have done differently is I would not have allowed him to be in the stadium in a box watching the game which because um, United subsequently lost the game it gave him more sort of uh, Jesus complex status I would have said uh Either, either you're on the subs bench or you're not at the ground. You're do, you're talking to a sports psychologist and you're telling him why you feel it's 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 a laugh to not train properly. That's what I would have done. Right, but in any case, you wouldn't have let him do any charity work. Ollie, is my cha- is my like instead of finding people all the time, having them do some community service idea? Is is it really just horrible because you can't force people to do good things? Um, I'm slightly. Sort of perplexed by that, you know, the idea that you can't do um, community work as a, as a punishment or can't be seen as doing community work as a punishment. Is, is that not what community service, for example, is about? Um, yes, that's but, Joey Barton. But, but I mean, I, I guess if we're talking about sort of internal sanctions by an employer, then then you know, maybe different rules do apply. But I, I don't know. I, I, I think the point you made right at the start is is is, is the right one that if, if they were playing Barcelona, if they were playing Manchester City for for a title decider, this wouldn't have happened. He he, he would not have been left out of the 18. It just wouldn't have happened. Ferguson is incredibly pragmatic, although although people see him as this dictator that that is completely uncompromising. He's shown down the years that that, that he is compromising. You know, he gave Beckham quite a lot of. For, for, for many years, he gave Keane more slack than most for, for, for a long time while it um, while it was in both their interests. You know, people like York and Bartes have, have, have found that they were given a lot of slack at one point in their career, and uh, and then once performances dropped, um, you know, the, the same privileges and liberties were no longer uh, applicable. Rooney and Ferguson have a an interesting relationship. It's 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 tense at times and and it's incredibly trusting at others. But it's uh, I, I mean I I think this is a situation where Ferguson thought he could get away with it and that he he could make a point by by finding these players and leaving them out. Uh, when in fact I thought the performance against Blackburn was so bad that they that they even missed Darren Gibson. Never mind Bruni. <laughs> but Ollie, had they be playing um, Barcelona or Manchester City instead of Blackburn Rovers, would Rooney? Have have gone out late and turned up for training and not given it his best shot. That, I mean, you know, it, <laughs> these things all go together, don't they? It was, it was five days before. It wasn't like it, you know, it wasn't like he was taking liberties on the eve of a game. It was it was five days before. It was on the night of the, uh, their Boxing Day game. They didn't have a, a, a game for five days. I think players generally think that in that situation they they can afford to go out and let let their hair down. And I'm sure. Um, in certain circumstances, you know, our manager would have completely turned a blind eye or not even thought it was worth turning a blind eye. Julian, what, what's an appropriate way of dealing with this? Uh, um, union rep Allison doesn't like my uh, forced community service idea. Um, but, I mean, 
I just wonder with with fines. I mean, it's maximum two weeks' wages, and two weeks' wages to somebody making fifty or a hundred grand a year makes is a lot of money. Um, two weeks' wages to somebody making a hundred grand a week um, probably doesn't really make much difference whatsoever. There's there's another fifty week in the year. Well, <laughs> to, I mean, to I cash mean, in anyway. So, so is, is there a better way to to, to, to I would punish? S- you know what? I would I would tell him to replace the kit man and uh, arrive at the training ground every day at eight and and wash the training kits and the shirts and and clean the boots for a whole week and he probably would hate it because he's never done it ever and uh, and maybe I'll teach him now I don't know it's always hard in those situations would you do that you'd have that so yeah I've said Rooney go and go and wash clean the boots and wash the kids and stuff like that he would love it and Colin would love it as well yeah, well, he'd refuse to do it, and then they'd be back where they started, and there'd be a. What do you mean he'd refuse dispute. to do it? There'd be a dispute. But then he'd get a football boot in his head or something. Hey, Ollie, is it plausible that somebody could just refuse a direct instruction from Sir Alex Ferguson? Um, it's plausible, but I, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't advise it for any, um, <laughs> any any United player, even Wayne Rooney. I, I, I like Julian's um, kit man idea, but my, my my only concern with that would be that it would um, it would give. Uh, or inflate the ego of um, United's current kit man, which is uh, which who I've actually seen signing autographs in the past. <laughs> which, um, who is uh, the kit yeah, man? You, you just would not want to give give him the um, the, the, the the pleasure of uh, ordering Wayne Rooney around for a, for a week. Can you tell us his name, the United kit man? Uh, it's Albert. I think it's Albert Morgan. But he, he actually um, he, he actually appeared in in an advert, a Nike advert, which I think might have been an METV only advert, but. Um, it was it was apparently as um, as as bad as it sounds, but it's um, but yeah, I've, I've seen him signing autographs. I, I'm going to leave you with this thought. I, I one of my wishes of 2012 is that maybe the people like the kit man and the tea lady and people like that at United. It's, shouldn't we all be saying, "Look, they're the real stars"? <laughs> yes. Albert Morgan, we salute you. All right, how about some quick hits? The Football Association released 115 pages of written reasons in the Suarez Ever case on New Year's Eve. Allison, I know that, like me, you spent the early hours of 2012 uh, reading every single line of that report. Uh, any reason to believe that uh, the eight-game ban will not stand on appeal? The overwhelming view is that it's, it's that the incentive now is that no one will no one will will dare to utter a racist remark on the pitch because the punishment for Suarez has been is so enormous and for that reason people are saying to Liverpool leave it alone leave it alone it's a great it's a great thing to do it's only a great incentive if if it's true if Suarez um, really did say all that he's supposed to have said in his appeal so I would I would urge Liverpool to be brave um, instead of being told that they're, they're they're impeding the progress of anti-racism uh, by considering appeal they should they should still consider it and if there are if there are good legal reasons for doing so I think they have a right to I'd also remind public opinion that uh, Ever himself, and according to the report, says he doesn't consider Suarez a racist, just somebody who said something inappropriate, and also that people are entitled to due process. Harry Redknapp talks to Radio 4, imagine that, Radio 4, and says managing England would be boring. Ollie, uh, he's still going to take the job, right? Or uh, would a third place finish for Spurs change his mind? Well, I, I think there's a lot of truth in what he says. I mean, it, it, it is a, it, you know, it's seen as this very, very privileged position, and it's uh, and it's one that you know, English managers haven't been often offered very often in, in in recent years. But I think I think it would be a culture shock for somebody like Redknapp, who who is a sort of you know um, dressing room man, training ground man, and 
I don't think he would necessarily like it that much. And I, I, I think the, ne- the next England manager is going to have a very tough job. Um, Spurs seem to be on the up. Um, and I would think he would accept it if it was given, if the money was right. But it's, I, I, don't think it's, um, I don't think it's that clear cut. He has to take it from England's point of view, maybe, but is it possible that he doesn't have to take it from his own point of view? He should be a patriot. <laughs> Joey Barton scores a goal and then gets himself sent off in QPR's 2-1 home defeat to Norwich. Uh, he then tweets about how the referee was conned. Uh, this is, uh, for those who didn't see the incident, this is largely because he, um, first he, he well, <laughs> all these previous with him and, and, and Bradley Johnson, the two of them uh, having little hissy fits like two little queens. And then in, in midfield, he, he seems to strike uh, Bradley Johnson, not very hard, and then he squares up to him. And amazingly, the referee and the linesman, they just kind of sit there and play goes on and on. And then sort of a few minutes later, they go and they um, and, and, and they send him off. Now, I, I, sorry, I had to go and sum this up for those who, who haven't seen this. I thought it was absolutely extraordinary. Uh, Julian, so are you buying um, Joey Barton's explanation? And is it clever for a player to tweet something like that so soon after the match? Yeah, I, I think he got sent off for his reputation because uh, I, I, I don't think the referee saw it. I don't think the linesman saw it. I think they had no clue what happened really and, I'm, and I don't even think he deserved a red card anyway. Um, I, th- I think there's nothing wrong in him tweeting his opinions after the game sooner or you know, a bit more later. Although I think the Premier League will probably have a look at that Twitter thing and the players tweeting what they think and if they criticise the referee, um, they, they probably will be uh, fine, like the managers are fine when they criticise the referee after games on TV. Gab, here's one for you. Paris Saint-Germain have a new manager. I know I probably should be asking Julien, not you, about this, but tell me, how will Ancelotti get on? Um, I don't know. I, I, I like to think, and I'm very biased on this one, but I think he's going to do. Uh, he's going to do very well. Um, he he came to, to he came to Chelsea, dealt with a tremendous amount of, of rubbish that was thrown at him. Lost his uh, uh, his assistant halfway through a, a reserve team game. Had one of his players shoot an intern. Um, had the captain threatening to leave when he arrived. They didn't buy him anybody except for the end where they put him the wrong people. Um, and he finished first and second in two years, and you know, plus seventy one goal difference into his first season I think that's all pretty good and I think there's potential at Paris Saint-Germain they are first already in the table which uh, is going to make a big difference I don't expect too many changes early on maybe in the summer that's all we've got time for this week but you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk you'll find your news your gossip hopefully not too much gossip uh, your analysis Uh, I do my web chats as well uh, as does Ollie Uh, you can follow us on Twitter Uh, we're all on there so let's call it a day Bye-bye. The train is now approaching. Junction at platform. Passengers, airport, please stay on board. Next stop, road station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.